0: What do you say, guys? It's Mick Gillespie, and thanks for joining us for our Monday Night Quarterback Podcast. This aired live on Monday at 6 o'clock on our Bama Insider YouTube channel. We appreciate all of you guys that have downloaded the podcast, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep checking back. We got all kinds of shows on here. Tony Sukos is our beat writer for Bama Insider, and with Trey Yannity, I'm Mick Gillespie. Enjoy our show. Hey, what do you say, everybody? It is time for Monday Night Quarterback. This is where we break down what happened for Alabama and the rest of the SEC in college football over the weekend. It is a big week in Tuscaloosa. That's because the Iron Bowl is going to be in town. Let me introduce the crew. We got Tony Sukalis. He is the Bama Insider beat writer, follows the Tide wherever they go, and Trey Yannity. So that's the crew tonight. I want to remind you guys to give us the thumbs up. Subscribe to our channel. We appreciate you being here tonight, and guys, uh, let's just get right into this. I, we're going to talk Iron Bowl later on in the show, but uh, Alabama with uh, Kentucky in town last week, maybe you know you kind of felt like maybe there would be a little bit of a letdown, but Tony, uh, <laughs> it was it was it was Alabama early and often.
1: Well, if it was a one-quarter game, you know Kentucky had it right, uh, but. Yeah. Alabama kind of, it's a weird blowout because I think you look at this game from an Alabama perspective and you're like, man, they could have done this better. They could have done that better. And then you look at the final score and it's 66 to three against an sec team. You know, um, I guess that's encouraging from an Alabama perspective because you look at things and I, you know, if it can get better, that's, that's good. That means that they can do this against the, you know, the, the, the potentials there and then they can do this against better opponents. But, um, I was really encouraged just because there was some rest, but Alabama was able to overcome that. I think, you know, when you look at the defense, um, I, I think there were some really good adjustments by uh, by Pete Golding. I don't think that guy gets enough credit. And when you're looking at this game, I, I think that, you know, you got to give credit where it's due. And and he made the adjustments and was able to, you know, rally his unit to, to really slow down uh, Kentucky after that first quarter.
0: Yeah, Trey, it was a game where, again, Devontae Smith, who was the unsung hero of the four receivers that Alabama had last year, you know, that 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 faunted group caught two more touchdowns. And now he passed Amari Cooper as Alabama's all time touchdown uh, career catcher and uh, and scorer and also the SEC's most touchdowns.
2: Yeah. I mean, incredible record. And, uh, you know, you got to give credit to everybody on this offense. Devontae Smith, Najee Harris had the two touchdowns. He leads the country in rushing touchdowns. Now Uh, Mac Jones slung it. And this was something I was a little bit worried about, you know, because they did have two weeks off coming into this game. And this is a Kentucky team that's flexed the the muscle a little bit on defense this year. Um, But, you know, I think it does kind of come back to how bad Kentucky is. It's a team that hasn't been able to score a lot of points this year. Um, Like I said, their defense has looked okay at times, but, when you're playing Alabama, that's it's not going to mean a lot when you have such a high-powered offense. Tide came out, looked great. Uh, we knew Kentucky was going to be able to take a lot of time off the clock. And like Tony said, you know, in the first quarter, they did a great job of that. They controlled the pace. They had the football for a long time. But I think Saban said it best. It doesn't matter how long you have it. You score pretty fast. And Alabama did that, uh, rolled on to the victory. This is a, a positive win just to show that we can take some time off, come back, still dominate, um no Jalen Waddle. obviously this offense is is continuing to roll um, and, and just a good win heading into the Cyher Bowl week it's going to be a fun week a lot of content coming out excited for this one how are you doing Mick
0: look i'm feeling great i mean it's a it's a 7 and 0 team alabama's uh, number 1 in the country just about unanimously tomorrow night when the playoff standings or uh, the playoff poll comes out, we're going to be back on the air here on Bama Insider to kind of break it down. We expected Alabama is going to be number one uh, in that poll. They're number one in the others, but until it actually happens, you know, I mean, you you still kind of want to see what, how it turns out, Tony, what it really looks like.
1: Yeah. I I fully expect Alabama to be number one in, in, in the college football playoff poll. Look, they're, they're unanimous in the AP poll. Um, when you look at it, you know, they still have the win over Texas A&M and they have a win over Georgia. Nobody really has. You can look at a&, uh, at Notre Dame's win over Clemson might be, you know, the, the best win overall. But nobody has those two wins like Alabama does. Um, you know, as weird as Georgia's look, that win has remained quality um, and I think now, you know, I think they'll be number one and it'll only strengthen if they beat, a, a, you know, a, a pretty good Auburn team as well. So Alabama's in a really good spot heading into that ranking.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I guess the big story uh, for Alabama, besides Smitty setting the touchdown record, was that we got to see some of these young guys that we've been kind of looking forward to to seeing in action guys that like you Trey are still in school i mean you know like and i mean all these guys are still in school but they're young guys i mean you know like like uh, we got to see Bryce Young he came in and uh threw his first touchdown pass what'd you think about those guys yeah i mean this
2: is the game that i was looking forward to a lot for that reason cuz you know you knew there'd be an opportunity to get to see C- young early to get to see C- some of these younger guys, Javon Baker, get in there, make some plays. And, um, you know, this time of the year is crazy for student athletes like that. Got to give a quick shout out real quick to my good pals, Chris and Lauren Daughtry. They're taking some time out of the finals studying right now to join all the loyal winners. Um, but You're giving uh, a shout out, huh? Yeah, Oh, I have to. And I got to give a shout out to, to young guys like Bryce Young, too, who are studying their tails off, getting in the game and, and looking great. I mean, this kid came out past number one, um, you know, drops a dime on the sideline there comes downfield, leaves that drive, um, throws a beautiful touchdown pass, a little bit behind him, but it, it couldn't have been in a better spot. And and Bryce Young, um, you know, I think there's positive takeaway there. It's unfortunate because I think if Trey Sanders was still able to be a part of this offense, you know, we really would see a, a youth movement for most of the second half in some of these games. But, um, you know, good to see. I, I think that there's still room for growth. You see some immaturity still, but he's coming along every week and, and he's you know
0: growing and just getting better it's awesome what was the reaction like at the stadium tony when bryce young got that first touchdown pass i think you know alabama fans have been waiting for that
1: one you know i think he almost had one when he fired in that bullet to uh to slade bolden that was a little too hot for slade to handle against uh, what was that tennessee uh but it's it's been a long time coming for bryce young and i think uh, he look. He only had two passes attempts this whole game, but they were two beautiful passes. Um, I, I think the the touchdown to Smithy is kind of the, the the play that you're expecting when you think of Bryce Young. He you know he eluded a defender, threw on the run, you know threw a nice accurate pass on the run, and then you know Devontae Smith kind of spun and and, and got you know free for the end zone. But I liked that over the shoulder throw to, to Devante uh, on the sidelines even more that, that to me really showed off uh, Bryce's arm. So, you know, only two attempts, but two really nice throws. And I think, I think he needed that to kind of, um, he hasn't been getting a lot of opportunities. So to have a good performance like that, I think it's going to be great for his confidence.
0: How about Chase McClellan? I mean, like we, we were so worried about Trey Sanders and we're still thinking about him and wish that he was out there. But, you know, after the car accident, um, you know, he's not going to be in action for a while, you know. And, and so we got to see uh, Chase McClellan, who to me of the freshman came in and, and was the most impressive. I mean, just watching him run the football, I, I was thoroughly impressed
1: he's great. Uh, you know, and and look, when you're looking at him, the, the the interesting thing is look, Najee Harris is a senior. Brian Robinson's a senior. Now, both of them, you know, I, I don't think Najee will, but Brian Robinson has the ability to come back because the COVID exemption. And um, so that's something, but like, let's say they don't come back, and let's say Trey Sanders is a little slow coming off of his injury because he's coming off a major hip injury, right? Jace McClellan might be your your starting running back for Alabama as early as next year. I mean, that's a that's a distinct possibility, and against you know, I I know this Kentucky defense was a little bit beat, beaten up, but, you know, it, it's a it's a defense that has been solid all year uh, when it has been healthy. And so for for Jason McClellan to come in and, and really show off what he can do, that's a really bright sign for Alabama's future. And I, like I said, watch out for him for next year. I think he could be a big-time impactor
0: um, really early for, for Alabama. And well, it's important to have those guys, too, that, that can kind of come in and run the football because, you know, there was a concern, like, you know, without – um having Trey Sanders as the next guy who was going to be the guy Trey that was going to tote the rock if 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 Najee Harris uh went down
2: you know this is an interesting running back class because it's very loaded um and it's got talent in a lot of different ways I think you turn uh, obviously to Brian Robinson first but if this class is all healthy you know you're still in really good shape even without Najee Harris you have Trey Sanders to rely on and we saw Roy Williams play great. McClellan, obviously, um, there's there's guys to turn to here. But like you said, it's going to be really interesting to see if um, you know Sanders can come back and recover from such a major injury. If he can, I think McClellan plays a decent bit next season. But I, I think it's Sanders' role to lose at that point. Um, it really just depends on how he looks. But I, I think any way you draw it, there's there's positives. McClellan looked aggressive. Nothing else. Just the way he penetrated the D line. It wasn't even you know finding the holes as much as just bowling over guys in that game on Saturday.
0: Yeah it was good to see that uh you know he got in there and and kind of just showed us that that the next line of guys is really impressive. And, and Alabama, historically, I mean, before Saban got to Alabama, has always been known as a running back factory. I mean, you're you're talking about guys like Sean Alexander and Bobby Humphrey and Sherman, and I mean, you can go all the way back, and there's guys that can, can run the football. Uh, but Nick Saban's kind of taking it to the next level where it's like, you know, you you got Mark Ingram and and you got Eddie Lacy and you got, you know, it's like every time you turn around, there's Trent Richardson, you know, like there's Derrick Henry. I mean, like it's just an army of guys that can run the football. Um, and when Trey Sanders went down, there was just that question of, you know, who would be the next guy. And, um, you know, and McClellan, definitely, the I feel like he's, you don't come into a football game like that. I don't care who you're playing. You run the ball 10 times, 99 yards, you get a touchdown. When you get the opportunity to get on the field, it's all about taking advantage of that opportunity, Tony.
1: Yeah, I, I think you hit it on the head. He 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 did as good as as he could have done. I mean, look, he led Alabama in rushing uh, on on the night. You know, he, he had more yards than than Najee Harris on the same amount of carries. Uh, granted, different parts of the game, different periods of the game, sure. But yeah, he looked great. And another guy, you know, you mentioned Alabama's death. Roy Dell Williams also scored his first touchdown. He's a guy that's gotten comparisons to Josh Jacobs. So the future is certainly bright for Alabama's backs. And, and, you know, they also got a guy named Kyle Edwards. He's more of a power guy and, you know, he's not really playing this year, but he's a guy to watch for the future as well. So they're going to keep everything stocked at that running back position. And yeah, when you look at Jace McClellan though, um, he's a guy from Texas uh, was the go-to, you know, big time back, of course, on his high school, led them to a state championship, then came to Alabama, was behind all these guys. And now he's finally getting that chance. Uh, I'm expecting big things for him.
2: Yeah. Defensive line. Sorry to cut you off, man. It's a good defensive line, too, on Saturday against Kentucky. You see McClellan and Roydell Williams both get in there and penetrate it, you know, even better than Najee Harris.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this Kentucky defense is like, it's, it's no joke. And it's still an SEC defense, too. I mean, so, and the thing is, before today, or I mean, sorry, before last week, Jason McClellan didn't even have a single touch. I think he had two offensive snaps, and that's it. You know, like not not two carries, two offensive snaps. Yeah. So he's really coming in from scratch and doing this, which is just extra impressive.
0: Well, there was also I mean, like every time he turned around, there was someone else who you were like, OK, I've heard about this guy. You guys have been following them since they were in high school and then and then they signed at Alabama. And for everyone that's watching uh, the Bama in, uh, Bama uh, rival site here, Bama Insider, you know, we're the best in the business to telling you that these guys are coming from the time they're in high school, sometimes even middle school, when it comes to bone, I mean, he's been tracking these guys uh, for a long, long time. And then now they're, we're seeing them and what they can do in the game. And uh, another player who was so impressive was uh, Jaleel Billingsley. How about Billingsley getting in and, and taking advantage of his opportunity? How about that hurdle?
1: I mean, dang, it's like Najee Harris as a tight end, but no, um, Billingsley's—you know—he's the real, the, really the only pass-catching option that Alabama has. I, I know Miller Forrestall does a sor- solid job, and I don't really want to take anything away from him. But when you talk about that kind of elite pass catcher, that 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 weapon, like maybe you know, like you had with uh, OJ Howard and Irv Smith Jr. Jaleel Billingsley's that guy. He's the guy that can really contribute as a receiver. Does he need to, you know, kind of uh, round out his game and really complete his game and be, you know, more of a blocker? Sure, you know, and I think that's why you're seeing Miller Forrestall get the start. But you know, with with Miller Forrestall, you know, held out for precautionary reasons against Kentucky. Man, Billingsley took his shot uh, from the start. The first pass, I think, it was 34 yard gain with the hurdle. Uh, three catches for 78 yards. I mean, he really flashed that extra weapon. And I, I think, you know, Alabama's offense has continued to roll, but I think after losing Jalen Waddle, you're always kind of thinking, like, well, what's the other wrinkle that you can use to not necessarily replace Waddle, but maybe give defenses something else to think about because you're losing that, as Nick Saban likes to call it, an Allen Iverson player. Well, for a while there, you thought it could be Trey Sanders, and then he gets hurt. Well, maybe it could be jaleel billingsley and and, you know is he going to be as impactful as jalen Waddle? well of course not but he's another guy that you know maybe he can take some emphasis off of Devontae smith when you run into better defenses and he's just one extra guy that defenses now have to scheme um scheme you know for and, and and worry about and that's just going to open up more doors for for the other receivers it's it's Every time it's like Alabama's like a Hydra, and you know every time you cut off one head, three more pop up, and and you know Billingsley's one of those heads that's popping up for Alabama.
0: Did you guys think that a sixty three three win for Alabama would provide this much excitement? I, you know, anytime you beat a team by sixty points, I think it
2: provides a lot of excitement because you did a lot of things right. But um, you know, it's I think it's just a testament to how deep this team is, and, and really a testament to how the tight end position is changing when we talk about guys like Billingsley just so much more athletic. I feel like we're used to seeing guys transition from more of a blocking style, physical tight end to more athletic, but, you know, Billingsley's the other way around. We're seeing that around the country nowadays. Um, you know, this win against Kentucky was started by a huge play by Billingsley. And I think it's going to be guys like that, the Slade Boldens, you know, when he's healthy, mm-hmm. um, you know, certain fill-in players like that that are going to create wins like this, sixty-three, yeah. 3 and really set up this offense um, because you don't have, uh, you know, certain players like Jalen Waddell anymore, guys that, I can create your offense. Um, like in the past, there's so many tools, but just figuring out how to fill that in, I, I think is gonna be most important. Billing sleep provides such a such a nice little piece to this offense. And, yeah. and I'm
1: still waiting on Javon Baker too. He's a yeah. guy I wrote a weeks ago he, he got more action with, with Slate Ball now the game he didn't get that first reception. Look when he gets on a roll that's another guy that I wouldn't be surprised if one of these next few games you see him have an impact like Jaleel Billingsley had. Obviously he's a you know he's a receiver he's you know a, a big catch kind of guy he's not he's not as physical as Billingsley. They're not the same player, but he's another guy that can come in and maybe catch it out of nowhere. So I'm waiting on him to kind of to kind of show up. I think he's next you know he's the next one to really uh really make his uh his I don't want to say debut because he's
0: played but you know his his really his his breakout game you know you, you kind of have to finish though talking about Devante Smith I mean you know two more touchdowns uh, he had 144 yards on nine catches uh, historically speaking and you talk about the holy I would say this an, an Alabama lure um, and I know there were some Ozzie Newsoms and some guys that could catch in the past, but Nick Saban has changed the wide receiver per- perception at Alabama. It started with Julio Jones, and then Amari Cooper and 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 Riddle, and you know, and and then the four guys that were just there last year, two left. Um, where does Devontae Smith stack up when you talk about the the rugs and the waddles, um, you know, and 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 all those other guys, Julio and and the the like? How good is he? I think
1: he's right there. Um, now, when you're going between, like, is he the best Alabama player ever? Well, yeah, he could probably put up the best stats ever. If He's, he's on pace to break a lot of them. You also got to consider the fact that he's doing it in four years. Uh, I still think, you know, from a college receiver's standpoint, um, Amari Cooper is, is Alabama's best receiver. Uh, but, like, look, I, I, I'm not about to, to you know, slight – Devonte in, in in the slightest I, I think that he's right up there with amari cooper i think he's going to be just like henry ruggs and jerry judy and go to the league and be a first round pick and, and 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 do big things in the nfl i i really believe in this guy i think he's i think he's a top half first rounder i think he's going to be a guy i would pick in the first you know 15 16 picks of the draft um he's smooth he's got amazing hands we wrote about that earlier this season um and he's clutch um it, it seems like every time Alabama needs a big play he's the guy that you would throw it to so he's gonna make an NFL franchise really happy in in, in the next few months and but b- before that he's definitely gonna be somebody that Alabama leans on the rest of the season
0: let me ask you this okay and sorry to cut you off there Tri, I know you want to jump in were you guys at all a little bit nervous when he's back there receiving punts <laughs> <laughs> look somebody's got to do it uh you know I mean Sure, it, it's a, I guess
1: from an Alabama perspective, I, you don't want to see a guy like Devontae. Look, if they lost Devontae Smith, they might be in a little bit of trouble. That's one of the positions where I think I think they really need him. Um, but some, the pump return game can be really important, and you want to have somebody that can do it. You know, uh, what happens when you play? you know a Clemson and uh you need a big punt return are you just gonna put in Devontae having given him no reps uh just for that moment I think you need to kind of you got to experiment maybe with using your best players I mean look you're trying to win a championship here and if Devonte's down for it um injuries happen you can't be scared of them and I, I I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing to put Devontae there Nick Saban's done that in in the past put high profile players there. And when you're looking at what it means for the player as well, um, look, Devante might be called on, to, to be a punt returner at the next level. Or even if he's not, you know, having that in his arsenal helps him create value for himself. So when he's going up against NFL teams and, and let's say he cars himself out a nice little role as all them as punt returner, that might get him up a few draft slots to a team that says, well, wait a minute, I can use him as a, as a punt returner too. Okay, well, that it's this crowded receiver class this year. And that might be that little bump that gets him above somebody else. Um, so you, you never know. I think it could be a good thing for Devontae, too. I think Devontae's going to be down for it. Um, and I like it too. I like seeing him in the backfield
2: there, but I don't know if I like it in the third and fourth quarter. I think, you know, you need to give him those reps, but seeing him later into the game, I, I just don't know if that's the wisest decision. He, he does need the reps, though, like you're saying. And he's so consistent. I think it's a perfect spot for him. And, you know, if we kind of talk back to that conversation just a minute ago, I think that's kind of how he separates himself from these other receivers. He's such a different receiver, kind of a weird analogy. And you stick with me here. Compared to the NBA, it's kind of like Ben Simmons versus a Steph Curry, I think, where you have, you know, maybe Jerry Judy is your Steph Curry. Very flashy, makes incredible plays, Um, you know, but Devontae Smith's consistency and just, uh, you know, how humble he is and the way he just puts his head down. Reminds me a lot of Ben Simmons. And, um, you know, it's it's proven to be uh, SEC record setting, obviously. Punt return wise, I like it. Uh, But like I said, I don't think you need to keep him in the third and fourth quarter. That was a little much.
1: I agree with you on that one. That's uh, I think Alabama has got a one of the best things about this game was that they really delved into their depth a little bit more and they haven't been doing that. And it's, it's a big deal for a couple of reasons. Like you said, it keeps your starters on the sidelines and out of harm of injury. And then also it gives other players uh, a chance to get, you know, comfortable in roles too. I mean, maybe give one of these young guys a chance at punt return just in case some kind of freak things happens and, and they actually have to do it in a meaningful situation. That's the kind of chances you can take in the third quarter of a, when you're up by 45, 56 points. Um, so I agree with you there. I don't think he, nec- him or Sertan really necessarily need to be returning punts um, in, in those big time situations. And if he does, maybe just have him fair catch, uh, fair catch the ball. Cause you don't need him risking himself on injury when it's just absolutely not necessary.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. I just don't want to see anyone get hurt. I mean, last year when Tua got hurt, you know, the team's up 35 to, to whatever, seven, and, and you're going, okay, you know, he's coming out of the game, and then he he's not coming out of the game, and then he gets hurt, and then that changes the season. And I feel like after Waddle went down, Alabama's in a spot where – you want to get these guys experience, but there's, there's bigger fish to fry on the schedule. I mean, you talk about not playing LSU because you want to win a championship. You want to keep these guys healthy too, but I got to give him credit. He looks comfortable returning those kicks. Oh, he looks great. Yeah. I mean like it's, it's, it's easy for him and and you're going to get into a game where you're going to need him to do that. But man, I, I just hope that for Alabama's sake, that um that that they go into you know the Iron Bowl and then you know against Florida and the SEC championship game and I'm putting them there and then onward with a healthy Smitty I think you're going to need him and I, and if he goes down I think that this team would would really be in trouble because then you wouldn't have him or waddle but the good thing is as so I was talking about Billings, I said receiver, of course he's a tight end, but he's, he's a receiver to me. I mean, like he's out catching passes, you know, he's not a blocking guy. And it's weird how that position has changed so much, you know, like uh, in the last like 15 years, you know, where it's like it, it, you're, you're in there and you got to be able to catch the ball. OJ Howard. Right. And then, and, and we saw him do a lot of that. Um, Irv Smith, you know, so, uh, having a tight end that can catch passes is, is so important in these games, but it's also important at the next level. So it was cool to see him get in there and have success. I want to remind everybody as you watch that we really appreciate you being here, hit the thumbs up, give us a thumbs up as you uh, watch subscribe to our channel. This is the Alabama rival site, Bama insider. Tony Sukalis is our beat writer, Trey Anity. I'm Mick Gillespie. Really appreciate you guys all being here as we just took a look back at the Alabama game against Kentucky, talking about some of the young stars that we saw in the game and for Alabama. Alabama fans, it's got to make you feel really good when you see those guys get in and perform like they do. This week, guys, we look around the SEC, and I'm going to start right at the top. And I say the top because it's the game that matters this week. Auburn. Finally, we get to talk about the Tigers. They, they had the, uh, the guy we call Auburn Jesus in their corner last year when they got that extra second on the uh, first half clock that allowed them to kick a field goal. Ironically, they won the game by three, right? And, um, you know, and then that punt play that they had at the end of the game that, you know, was it a penalty or not? It, it obviously uh, cost Alabama a chance to get the ball one more time, and I think Alabama would have came down the field and scored the way they were moving the ball at the end of that game. They played Tennessee this week, and they weren't good. I mean, like, they they, they won the game. I think it was 31-17. to 17. Uh, did you guys have a chance to see that game? And I guess it p- probably is one of the reasons why Alabama is, you know, the 24 point 25 point p- favorite against the tigers. I didn't get a
1: chance to see that game, but you know, I'm not surprised that, that Alabama is this much of a favorite too. And I, I it, not only is Alabama a better team than Auburn this year and he's, they're playing so much better. And, you know, I, I don't really trust Bo Nicks to to expose Alabama again this year, but, uh, I think when you look at the motivation factor, I think I wouldn't be surprised if this game, this game ended if they end up playing LSU or the two games that Alabama players are really going to be playing with an extra chip on their shoulder. Whenever Alabama does that, they usually get big results. So, um, and this game's going to be in Brian Denny. And I tell you what, every time it's in Brian Denny, it's usually a lopsided game. I know there was that game with, with uh, Nick Marshall and, and Blake Sims a while back, but other than that, you know, when it's in Bryant-Denny Stadium, Alabama usually rolls. I just expect that to be the case again this week.
0: Sam, we appreciate it. Um, the super chat, and we'll go right to the top of the ladder when you uh, drop the super chats in. Mick, Trey, Tony, what's up, fam? What's up? Uh, what about Najee Harris's 16 TDs, 42 career best run? Look, I- I'm hoping that against Auburn, that you know, we see a lot of Najee Harris. And, and it kind of plays into this, um, Trey, because Tennessee didn't run the ball enough against Auburn. They were just freight training those guys. And they and they just didn't they, – they, it seemed like they, they threw the pick six in the second half that, that cost them the momentum in the game. I, and I know that you didn't see it, Tony. But Tennessee was gashing Auburn with the run. And I'm guessing Alabama's run is, I'd say, substantially better.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly is. And, you know, this is a Tennessee team that has had trouble at times running the ball. You saw in that Georgia game right before Georgia played Alabama, Tennessee maybe had negative six rushing yards in the whole game. So um, I think Alabama's run attack is going to be potent as always. And Like I've said all season, just use the run to set up the pass. They've done it all year. It's worked beautifully. Um, the way that, that Najee's been able to set up the deep ball especially has been key. Um, but like Tony said, this, this Auburn team is not good. This is a 25-point line for a reason. You never know. This is a rivalry game. This is the Iron Bowl. You never know. But I think this game's going to get out of hand early. And this is personal for Alabama. Auburn pretty much eliminated them from the playoff last year. Whether or not Alabama would have made it with winning that game, it would have come down to it. But let's say they do. You know, Auburn took that chance away from them. Alabama is upset. They've lost now two out of the last three to this Auburn team. Um, they're motivated. They're ready to go. And I think it could get ugly early. For guys like Najee, Devontae, that have been here for all four of those games, um, <laughs> I think we'll see it.
1: And look what Najee did last year against Auburn. He had his biggest game of the season, 27 – or one, you know, tied for his biggest game of the season, 27 attempts, 146 yards, and then four receptions for 26 more yards to the air. Um, he's a guy that already played well against Auburn, and um, I, I kind of think he might do it again. I, there's been all this talk about Alabama's passing game, but this might be a game, too, that Najee can – can dominate another thing we're not talking about is you know for some of these seniors that came back this is their last game in brian denny and that's that's a that's a big motivating factor too or uh, even for the players that are coming out early like this could be the last game in brian denny and, then, and there's not going to be fans there and i know that's you know it's going to be different but or they're not going to be as many fans there and there's going to be different but um i think there's just so much motivational factor going into this game and i think it's really going to translate it into the into the score and the performance
0: we appreciate all the comments, Jay. Uh, puts a good one up there. Uh, you know, Auburn looked horrible. He's right, but it's their Super Bowl. I remember years where Alabama's kind of been on the other end of this, too, you know, where you've had a bad year, but you know that you can go in and compete and maybe you have a chance to steal one from Alabama. The Crimson Tide most likely are going to come in ranked number one. And Auburn is the team that seems to beat Alabama when they're ranked number one. Uh, in this Iron Bowl game, four times Nick Saban has brought the number one team in the country in. And he's two and two. That's not a good record against Auburn. And Gus Malzahn is three and four against Nick Saban. He's got the most wins of any active coach against the GOAT, man. So, I mean, like, for whatever reason, and, and I don't know why, uh, Auburn and, and and Gus Malzahn have had some success against a guy that's hard to beat. I think they scheme for Alabama super
1: well. I mean, I, I don't – this is going to not be a popular opinion, but, you know, like, last game – Malzon had them prepared. Now, rather was did they did they sacrifice some other weeks to be compared to uh, to be so prepared for Alabama? I don't know. Maybe maybe they spend too much time on Alabama, and that's all they can do. But uh, you know, just from a game by game perspective, and, and hang with me here. I think Gus Malzahn out coached Nick Saban last game, the, the last Iron Bowl. Now, I'm not saying at all that Gus Malzon's a better coach than Nick Saban. Don't get me wrong on that. I think Nick Saban is streets above Gus Malzon as a coach. But for that one game. I think, you know, Gus Malzahn got the better of him. And so maybe this game's personal for Saban too, because maybe, you know, as someone as excellent as him, maybe he kind of also realizes that and uh, he wants to put it back on, on Gus. And I, I'm sure he's aware that Gus has had his number three times and I, I'm sure that doesn't really sit well with him. So we're talking about all these motivational factors, you know, let's not forget the GOAT. Let's not forget Nick Saban. And he, he's going to be a little bit chippy headed into this game and, and, and he's going to want to prove himself again uh, and, and, you know, to deliver it to, to Gus this game.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think Nick Saban has a long memory too. I mean, you know, he he's one of those guys who, when he loses a football game, um, his team seems to come back prepared, and he spends a lot of time to get ready for those games. And so, I, I'm I'm with the the uh, the 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 odds makers. I just think it's going to be a lot of Alabama. I like this offense. Auburn's got some problems. I think Auburn will play a good half of football, but Alabama will play four quarters of football. They'll continue to score. And and at some point, Auburn's going to turn around and they're going to be so far behind that they're not going to be able to win this game. I I just don't think that Alabama is going to overlook Auburn, uh, particularly looking at how things went last year. And the other thing is that Auburn's a decent team, but they're not a good team. And I think it takes a good team to beat Alabama. I mean, the Auburn teams that have beaten Alabama have been really good. They've been uh, highly ranked teams and, um, you know, and maybe they're upsets, but going into the game and most of them are, are down there on the plains. uh, I just like Alabama's chances. And I think Nick Saban is going to have his eyes focused on this one. He has for a long time. It's weird this year. Because it's not the last game of the regular season. You know, like there's another game coming up and another one after that, maybe, and then the SEC championships. So Alabama could have two more regular season games if they play LSU. All I right, do like cut- that it
1: fell on Thanksgiving. Sorry to cut you off. I do like that it still fell on Thanksgiving week, though. Yeah. That is like the one normalcy that we were able to keep from 2020 is that we still got Alabama and Auburn on Thanksgiving week. I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I, I, I personally like that. To me, yeah. that just seems right. It would have seemed extra weird having another game this week. So I know it's not the last game, and that's weird in itself. But I, I appreciate it being this week still. I don't know about you guys.
2: I feel like everybody would rather have it that way because you know having it the last week of the season doesn't really mean anything if the last week of the season isn't this Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like this having it around this holiday and um, you know just this time of the year is what everybody's used to. I think that's the way to do it. I'm with
1: Tony.
0: What do you What do you think, Mick? Well, I mean, I love it. I mean, look, I, I I'm ready to watch this game. If they would have moved it back forward, if they would have skipped <laughs> it a week, I don't care. I, I'm ready for this one. Uh, this is the 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 game I want to go to besides Tennessee every year. This rivalry goes back um, to my days at Alabama playing lacrosse and going down there and and the Auburn fans throwing bottle caps at us when we were losing to them in a lacrosse game. You know, that's just a club sport. But what I found out is that anytime you play Auburn and you're wearing an Alabama uniform. And vice versa, it's on. You know, you better bring your best. And what the thing that Nick Saban has done, and that Mike Shula struggled with, uh, you know, taking over this program, is that is that Nick Saban recruits in state, and that's why this game is so important. You have to have those in-state blue chip guys, the top five players. You know, since Gus Malzahn has gotten to. Auburn, Nick Saban has gotten 15 and Gus Malzahn has gotten 10 of those blue chip players. Right. And, and when, you know, Kool-Aid committed to Alabama a, a couple of weeks ago, the number one player in the state, those are the players that get this. You know, I remember talking to Mike Johnson, who is, uh, you know, a two-time All-American and played in the NFL and won a national championship in 2009, and Mike saying, hey, you know, coming from Florida, you know, the, the, the Florida State-Florida game was the one that we watched, and when he was – was there you know they weren't really that good you know Alabama Um, not like now you know he was on the team when Nick Saban took over Um, and then you go through that first game and you realize like this isn't Florida Florida State this is a much bigger uh, a much bigger deal and I can remember Nick Saban's first Iron Bowl and him saying you know it's just another game on the schedule He walked out of that stadium after losing to Auburn, and it was never just another game on the the schedule. Alabama won in 2008 to end that six-game losing streak, which was the longest we ever had to them, 36 to nothing. And it's been an absolute battle ever since then. And, I mean, you know, and as Michael says, he's exactly right. It is a -a 365-day-a-year game in this state of Alabama. We talk about it all the time. Um we remember the games from all the way back from whenever i mean like all of them you know like it it, it doesn't matter what the records are that the teams have it's an important game in this state but, but these with Nick Saban have been magnified guys because they matter so much because you got to win that to get to the SEC championship to get to the national championship and the years that alabama has lost to auburn it has cost them chances to win the title
1: most of the time it's resulted in auburn having a shot at some kind of uh hardware you know what i'm saying like most of the time when auburn wins it's they end up going to the sec west or it, it, they're going to a national championship uh so it's 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 you're right it it is it's a, it's a really big game for both for both teams and um you know and as much as alabama doesn't want to lose they definitely don't want to see auburn take control of the west so
0: yeah right yeah yeah. And the redemption for look at, look at this. And, and Trey, you talk about it, but Charles brings up a great point. Uh, you know, this is Big Mac's redemption game. I thought he, I, I, I was one of the people that watched the two interceptions last year and put those both on Mac Jones. And, and I've just been thoroughly impressed with the growth that he's had at the quarterback spot coming into this season. But you know that no matter what happens from here on out, that if things don't go the way that he wants them to go on Saturday against Auburn, it's going to be a disappointing season in some aspect.
2: Yeah. I mean, it could be career defining even for Mac Jones. I think a lot of the holdups coming into this season for, you know, I'll say it myself, even was that Auburn game, seeing him throw those two picks and they weren't on him. The one obviously was not on him. Um, But, but this could really define the way we think about Mac Jones moving forward. Obviously, if they somehow, I think it's it's going to take a whole lot, um, you know, Blue Moon, everything else for Auburn to win this game. But if they somehow win this game and Alabama goes on to win the national title, I think that will define Max Greer a whole lot more. But, but this is a big deal for him and this whole team. There's no understating how big this rivalry is. I was a Clemson guy. You guys know my past growing up, um, you know, never around this rivalry. I didn't care about either team, but it, you still understood how big this rivalry was to the entire country. You still got those butterflies in your stomach at kickoff because you just knew the implications of this game and how much it meant um, to the college football landscape as a whole. So this game is huge for Mac Jones, but but for this whole team, and like Tony said, for these last guys, for these seniors playing their last game in Bryant-Denny, it's, it's just so sad that it has to be in this COVID environment. Hopefully, if nothing else, they get a big win over the rival.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, thanks all you guys that are watching on our YouTube channel. This is Bama Insider. We're the Alabama Rivals channel. Give us a thumbs up. It's free to do that. Subscribe to the channel. We appreciate it. We've had absolutely incredible growth to this channel since football started and really since Kyle put this together and it is solely because of you guys because of your support for what we do here talking football. You might not be an Alabama fan. You probably are, but you're a college football fan and we appreciate you being here tonight and invite you to come back and 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 check out a lot of our shows because we've got a a week packed full of content coming up and then for those of you that are going to be in tuscaloosa on friday shameless plug but we'll have the bama insider tailgate show from six to eight at innisfree uh trey's experience that wild setting that's where we're going to be on friday we invite you to come out and hang out with us you had fun trey
2: Oh, I had a blast! Yeah, guys, come on—we got all kinds of swag. We got the Daniel A. Moore calendars. We got the footballs. Yeah, um, you know, we got the Screwball shot glasses. There's all kinds
1: of stuff going on, and this
0: is the big all, one. It's, all it's, the Yingling shirts, and, yingling and shirts. Uh, did I get you your Yingling stuff yet, Tony?
1: No, no. You, well, it's uh, the the Screwball shirts, man. I want uh, my my wife wants one. She likes the logo, so <laughs> we actually have Screwball at home. It's like a. It's really good to mix into things. It's peanut butter whiskey. It's pretty good.
0: It's yeah, just right. it
2: brought coming. to you by Yingling and Screwball. Yeah, delicious though. Mix it with the chocolate milk; it's almost like a Reese's cup. I'm telling
1: wow. you, man, we made a milkshake out of it, and it was really <laughs> great. Like one of those
0: alcoholic milkshakes, man. It was it was good. <laughs> you guys are making me thirsty. <laughs> hey, this is- I want to tell everyone about too is that right now $75 gets you a year of subscription to bamainsider.com and Kyle will send you back a $75 gift card to Nike uh, and the Nike store which is awesome because all that Alabama gear and it's not just Nike but it's the Nike store and it's got all kind of Alabama stuff on there so uh, right now would be a great time to buy somebody a subscription for the holidays or buy yourself a subscription and then use the card to 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 get a gift for somebody or keep it both for yourself or- give it to somebody. <laughs> yourself, But I'm going to tell you, Tony works really hard to put uh, exclusive stories and pieces out there. We got all kind of content that's coming through. Andrew Bones, the best in the business as far as recruiting. National Signing Day, the early signing day period is dead ahead. So we're going to have that chalk pack full of stuff that you're going to want. And, um, and you know, now's the time you're getting one of the best deals of the year. All right, guys, we're talking SEC football right now. And we went over... Auburn and broke into the Iron Bowl, which, you know, we, we couldn't help ourselves. But uh, another team that looms in Alabama's future, most likely, is the Florida Gators. They played Vanderbilt on Saturday. They struggled in the first half. But Kyle Trask, again, put up, you know, all kind of amazing numbers. They they win the football game. And I, I, Florida, they lost one, one time at Texas A&M. They're getting better and better each week. And I just feel like this is a team that matches up well against Alabama. I think
1: it's a team that can definitely score. And look, you got to, if you want to have a shot at beating Alabama, you have to have a dynamic offense. Um, And Florida has that. And Kyle Trask is, is that quarterback that you look at that, could theoretically beat Alabama, but look, they struggled a little bit against Vanderbilt at, at some points. And I'm just not convinced that they're going to, that, that they're going to really give Alabama as good of a game as what people think. I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Alabama still wins by double digits uh, in this one. Now, can Florida beat Alabama? Sure. Th- I think they can. And I think they've got the, the recipe to beat Alabama, but I, I also on the same hand, wouldn't be necessarily surprised if, if Alabama still beats them by, you know, double digit points just because I, I i don't think that they're going to be able to slow down alabama at all um and then i think when it comes to just a shootout alabama's got a, an even better offense than florida
2: you said about sony they can beat alabama but i just i don't see it this offense is really good um uh, but but it's it's flawed and the defense is so flawed you know they went down 14 nothing to georgia i think if that's alabama they might not get a chance to come back in that game. This team's so well-rounded and um, you know, I don't think there's anybody in the country that doesn't love watching Kyle Pitts because he is elite and uh, he's going to be a great draft pick for whichever team selects him. But um, this team has holes. They struggled on Saturday. They struggled in certain games like Missouri at times, even, and obviously against Georgia, that game was back and forth. Uh, So I I just don't know. I think this team could do it. They have a better chance than anybody in the league, but it's going to be really hard to beat this Alabama team unless
1: it's January. And, uh, you're fighting for a title, and your name's Clemson. But let's, let's let's be honest. I really don't think there's a lot of t- there's a lot of teams that can't beat them. So I think maybe yeah. Clemson might be the only team that really could give Alabama a shot. too hard here. I don't know. I don't know. I think it might just be for me. It's just Clemson. I, I just yeah. we should probably just fast forward to Alabama versus Clemson because that's what that's the championship game right
0: there. I'm telling you, you're wrong. I mean, I think that you got you you're you're uh, overlooking one of the best teams in the country, you know, and uh, Alabama, don't forget. And I know their defense has been excellent, um, you know, against Mississippi state. And then, you know, what they did against Kentucky and the second half against Georgia, you know, like they've gotten better, but that Ole Miss game, don't forget, you know, they, they couldn't do anything right. And I know Lane Kiffin, Um, it was like he he had prepared for his entire life for that exam. And, I mean, on offense, he passed, right, with flying colors. But uh, don't think that Dan Mullen uh, hasn't coached against Nick Saban and has been able to do some things. I mean, I still remember the Mississippi State team where he's playing with talent that's not even close to Alabama, and and they just about beat the Crimson Tide. It it, it took a Jalen Hurts come-from-behind drive in the closing seconds of the game to win. So he's going to have much better talent now. And he he told his team too after the game Dan Mullen look at, there's games coming up on our schedule that if in the future that if we play like we did in the first half in Nashville that we're not going to win. So you know Florida's going to use that as an example. I think it's it's setting up what's going to be quite a showdown. Uh, in Atlanta. Now, I, I hate to do the rat poison and look ahead, especially when we got Auburn staring at us. But um, every time Florida plays now, you, you know, you almost have to pay attention to it just to see because these two teams are on this collision course. The the other thing, too, and, I, and I'm still not happy with the coaches. I, I don't I just don't agree with the coaches. Florida's ranked fifth in the coaches poll and the Texas A&M is ranked sixth and yet they beat them head to head. Now, with that said, um, I'll pop this up on you. It, it, the, um, Texas A&M hasn't played in a while because of COVID guys. And I feel like they've they're five and one still. It's like, they're going to, they're not going to be able to make up some of the games I'm guessing. Um, is it fair that they're gonna lose ground because of COVID. I I don't I don't know what's gonna happen with Texas A&M.
1: They're the biggest you know question mark in this whole system for me. Uh, but when you look at it, uh, yeah, I don't I don't think it's fair. I, I I'd like to see what they could do. Um, a, and I kind of would like to see them get another chance at it, uh, especially if 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 Florida loses to Alabama, I I, I wouldn't mind seeing. You know where this Texas A and M team has improved, and maybe maybe they're deserving of a playoff spot if things fall their way. Uh, But yeah, right now, like like you mentioned, they're losing ground just because they're losing games, like in terms of losing the opportunity to play games. You know, so um, it's not fair, but it kind of is what it is at the moment. This is just such a weird one.
2: Um, You know, you got to think a committee member right now is sitting there thinking. Come on, Florida, you could not have beaten this team. It would have simplified a lot if Florida had won that game over Texas A&M. But, um, you know, it's a fun wrinkle. I think we've been talking about this since, you know, maybe week three or four, maybe, you know, after the after the Texas A&M Florida game when they got that win. Um, This team, I think, is deserving. You know, you look at Texas A&M, they have one loss and it's to the number one team in the country. And right now that's undisputed. Uh, they don't really have a, a you know a super tough schedule this year. They got the big win over Florida. They split the Bama Florida series, which was huge for them. Um, but I just I don't know how you can keep them out when you're talking about schools like Cincinnati and even Notre Dame. If Notre Dame were to lose to Clemson the second time around, it, it's hard to look at Texas A and M and say you're not deserving. But you know then do you, so you let in three SEC schools
1: if Florida were to beat Bama, it's oh, they, you know it, if Florida beats Alabama, the dream's over for Texas A and M. I, I think yeah. uh, I think if if it's weird for Texas A and M when when they're watching that game, the SEC championship game, let's fast forward and Alabama will have will be undefeated and Florida will have one loss. It's it, it, it's going to be really weird to be an Aggie during that game because you're rooting for Alabama to win because you definitely need Alabama to win that game, but at the same time you cannot have Alabama blow out Florida. What you really need yeah. is a close win so that it it shows that wow that Florida team is good and oh by the way. A&M beat that Florida team, you know, um, and then you got, you, you know, it, it would be great, uh, you know, for a and that way. But um, I think if, if Alabama came in and they blew out Florida, maybe people are like, oh, well, that Florida team just wasn't that great. You know, it, maybe it wasn't as good as what we thought it was. And, and then that's when, you know, AM gets bumped because they didn't get to play for a, a conference championship. Look, you also got to look at the Pac-12 too. I mean yeah. – if Oregon stays undefeated, they're a team that you know. You also got to look at you know what the committee kind of wants. If it's close, you know, I think uh, it looks prettier to have all you know conference champions. So if you have an undefeated Pac-12 team, and especially if you get to get that team, I, I know this stuff shouldn't matter, but it probably does. If you get that team in the West, if they're deserving, um, that's another thing. You get you kind of meet you know all those uh, demographics uh that that would help but uh, to be honest with you I, I don't see the kind of
2: world though you know the, the the smaller guys the BYUs do they even have a chance in this thing
1: I don't think they also BYU doesn't because they're playing like they played North Alabama they play uh, uh San Diego State I know that they could maybe get some like leftover game from from the Pac-12 and they, that would certainly help but uh, it's it's really talk about unfair right It's unfair for BYU because I think they're actually a quality team they're an independent they don't have a schedule to build so they can only really play with who they could schedule and that's really been tough during this covid time. so when you look at BYU and any other year, you're like, oh wow they you know who are they playing this week the you know blind school of the you know impaired <laughs> like but like like but when you look at it it's like, you can't really blame them. It's like, how, how many games can they get on their schedule? And they're, they're trying their best to, you know, to get in. Um, uh, I, I kind of feel for BYU. I think they, I don't think that they would win. And I don't necessarily think that they necessarily deserve to be in the playoff, but uh, I don't feel like they were given a shot with that schedule. Um, and it's just kind of a bummer. Cause I think that they, they could be a fun team, you know, before this, this, season one of the rumored matchups when they were still talking about maybe playing a an out of conference game was Alabama BYU and I think a lot of people scoffed at that I certainly would w- have wanted to see that game man I would have sacrificed <laughs> Alabama Kentucky for Alabama BYU I mean if we just chopped yeah. that off the schedule yeah yeah yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> well as you guys watch The Bama Insider YouTube channel. Uh, Give us a thumbs up, subscribe, and we appreciate you being here tonight. This is Monday Night Quarterback. I'm Mick Gillespie with Trey Yannity and Tony Sukalas. We do it every Monday at 6 o'clock. we also have a podcast channel, and you know I'm trying to work hard to really build in some new podcasts. And one of them is uh, a show I do on Sunday with legendary coach and and broadcaster Max Howe. It's uh, the Max and Mick podcast. And the reason I bring that up is that you guys can go to Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and download it. And we brace, ba- basically break down college football. Max, you know, he's he's been doing this a long time. He used to be the recruiting coordinator uh, for Bobby Bowden at Florida State, and then uh, at uh, Ole Miss in the past. But we talked about what if BYU and and Cincinnati scheduled a game against each other? What, I mean, I, anything's possible this year. Now, I know Cincinnati's in a conference, right? Yeah, does Cincinnati but, have the space on their schedule to do that? I, I don't think they would. I don't know. But, I mean, like they're, they're both no. there on the outside looking in. Uh, I don't. I don't necessarily think that the committee wants to put two SEC teams in, right? Uh, and if Alabama wins, I think that Texas a and is going to have a tough time getting in, but I think they have a chance. They need some other teams to lose, but I, I'm figuring Notre Dame is going to get uh, beaten by. Uh, Clemson, they'll probably get blown out in that game, so it's going to be a, quite a debate. But what about Cincinnati or what about BYU? And and you talk about strength of schedule, but what if they played each other? You know, Cincinnati. I, I just, yeah, how I, BYU's I, eighth or ninth. I don't think it's possible,
1: though. I, I think Cincinnati's because, well, like you said, they got to finish their regular season and they got a conference championship game. Yeah. So it, I don't think it's that's that's let's, in the but, cards. It would like help,
2: though, even if it was possible. I just don't know. I think you're in a situation there where it's like if you guys know the uh, the meme about the two Spider-Mans looking at each other and pointing at each other, they're in the same position. I don't know if that game would necessarily prove anything for either school. You know, maybe, I guess, where the the, uh, the American Athletic Conference is in, in comparison. But it's the you know, same position as BYU. I don't know if that would help anything as much as, um, you know, these schools just getting some blowouts from the big-time teams. That's at the end of the day what you got to root for, I think, if you're a Cincinnati or a BYU, you have to hope Notre Dame gets just throttled in their game. Yeah or maybe hope... just so, yeah. Sorry, maybe, maybe Notre yeah. Dame just loses a game that they're not supposed to to lose before yeah, since... another one even. Yeah, they they drop yeah. another one, then they lose to Clemson, or you yeah. know, whoever loses to Clemson by a lot. Florida's gonna have to lose by you know to Bama by a good bit. I don't think they make the playoff either way with two losses, obviously. But you're gonna need a blowout um in one of these games. Anyway, you draw it, and you're probably you mentioned it earlier, you're probably gonna need that Pac 12 school looking like Oregon. Um, to lose at some point because I, I could definitely see the. What if Ohio, Ohio? What if
1: Ohio State loses?
2: I, I think if Ohio State loses, they don't get it. I, I think yeah. one is all you get out there with with so few games. That's you know, and you, the way I looked against Indiana, even.
1: You, you know who we're not talking about is Northwestern, right? They just upset oh, Wisconsin. I mean, we haven't even mentioned them once. I don't think anyone's expecting it, but heck, I mean, they're not out of the college football playoff either.
2: Their chance, though, they'll get their chance. They'll, they'll get a play. Yeah. Ohio at well,
0: time. The reason why, though, is because they're going to eventually have to play Ohio State. But what if Ohio State lost? And you bring it up, and that kind of transitions into my next point is, is that I, got, I caught the Ohio State um, Indiana game, and I thought, okay, this is the Ohio State that I picked. And, and I was wrong on every game this week, and, and it looked like I was feeling pretty good about Ohio State, and <laughs> they just turned it off. And, and and watching Indiana run up the score on those guys to get within seven and make it a game, it, it showed me that, that that Ohio State has some weaknesses. You know, Can Northwestern beat them? I don't think so, but anything can happen. They may lose a game before that.
2: I don't think we're going to see Justin Fields play that poorly moving forward. He played really, really bad in this game. I think he's still a top three player in the country, um, if not the best player in the country even just on paper. Um, if you're not going to look at the stats, this, this dude is great. And he really played poorly. Ohio state is flawed though. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point. They definitely, um, they have some big problems on defense. Indiana's offense is solid. Michael Penix has done a good job, but you can't be letting them score that many points. And uh, you know, we were, we were standing with Hoosier nation Kyle and I were, because we needed some of these games for the uh, pick em standings there. But this one was surprising. I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be that close.
1: They I have g- a trash schedule coming up though. I, like you said, I just don't see them with Michigan state. Yeah, Illinois, you know Michigan. Come on, like the
0: thing can happen though. Look, all right, Let, let's. I'm gonna put you guys on the spot. We're gonna give the four teams, and we can change this week to week, but we're gonna throw this in with the with the playoff uh, standings, the playoff you know computer polls that are coming out on Tuesday. Um, the College Football Playoff Committee puts that out. We're gonna do ours right now. Uh, I want to know the four teams that are going to make the college football playoff from you guys. Tony, you want to go ahead? Sure. I think that the, at the
1: end of the day, it will be what the final rankings will be. It'll be Alabama. It'll be Clemson. It'll be Ohio State. It'll be Notre Dame.
0: Woo. You're saying Notre Dame gets in after losing that last game to to? Glenn? I think they cling
1: on to it. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot of things that can happen, but that's I, I, kind of what I'm what I'm seeing, and look, that sets up a really sexy college football playoff because you got Alabama versus Notre Dame, and you've got the number one versus the number two pick in next year's NFL draft, most likely playing each other in the other semifinals. So um, and I do think they'll put Clemson at number two actually after beating Notre Dame. So um uh, Trey? I, how I see it.
2: I, I want to come in here and you know create some crazy whirlwind. <laughs> I, I'm with you, Tony. I think at this point with the way things are looking, I think everybody's pretty much written off Notre Dame to win that second game, but they don't have to. And they know that now they just have to compete in that game. As long as they're in it, they make it. I think you see Alabama win out and you got to take your rat poison glasses off right now, everybody, where this is just this is a lot of rat poison coming through the feed, but um, you know, I don't think they lose. I think they beat Florida in the sec title. They're the number one seed. And then I, I think you got to give Clemson the nod at two there after they beat the number two team in Notre Dame. And, Then it shakes out the rest of the way, Ohio State at three and uh, Notre Dame at four. What do you got, Nick?
0: Well, you know, I'm going to say this. I think Alabama will be one, and I think Clemson will be two. And I think that we'll see those two teams play again in the college football playoff and most likely for the national championship Uh, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant to say Ohio state three, but I, I, I don't think they have enough time to have their annual like, um, game that they don't show up to, you know, the Purdue and they always seem to have that game where you're like, am I looking at the scoreboard right now? Right. Is Iowa up by 30? Uh, I just don't think there's enough time in this schedule for them to have that game. So I'm going to put them in. I don't think Notre Dame's going to make it though. I think that when I think Notre Dame's going to get blown out uh, in the rematch against Clemson, and it's not going to be close, and I think it's going to come down to Texas A&M and Cincinnati, and I, I just I'm curious to see how the 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 voters look at. It. I think Texas A&M it really hurts them if they don't make up some of these football games. I think they've got to have the nine and one record to be able to make the case that hey, look, we went nine and one, we lost one game to the, the 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 number one team in the country, right? And we won the rest of them. I think Cincinnati's got a chance to make this college football playoff. And I think if they do get in there, um, it would that would be a great opponent to play in the first round. So uh I'm I'm but Luke Fickle, he turned down some big jobs to to stay at Cincinnati. He knows he's got a good team. I wouldn't count Cincinnati out. Uh same thing with BYU. I could see them sliding in there as well. And I think the fact that you're playing this all SEC all sec schedule that texas a&m could possibly lose before they get there and knock them out you know florida's got to play alabama notre dame's got to play clemson so there's going to be some shuffling going on i think that scores matter a lot but i just don't think notre dame's going to make it and i know everyone kind of is disagreeing with me and Um, And I think part of it is because Notre Dame, to me, is always the most overrated team ever. I mean, and it's been that way since I've been watching college football. Um, I think we like the fight song. We like the golden helmet. We all love Rudy, right? But when they beat Clemson this year, it was really the first time in a long time that I remember them winning a signature game, but they did it without Trevor Lawrence. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And talking about Clemson. And, and, and talking about the Clemson Tigers. How about the situation that is unfolding right now that really started on Friday night? Um, Clemson was at their team dinner, at least that's what I was told, in Tallahassee getting ready for the football game against um, Florida State. Now, they would have beaten Florida State probably by 40 or something. I mean, they, were, they would have just ran right over them. And the game... Uh, got canceled, right? Now, I'm going to play this audio from my show on Friday night. It's This is Tom Hart, who is the lead SEC Network broadcaster. And this is our conversation on the Bama Insider Tailgate show from Friday. We're talking about Alabama and LSU making up the game that has been postponed. And he said this, and then we're going to get into what Dabo said. So let me know if you guys can hear this.
2: Uh, we'd rather, I, and I'm not saying this is the LSU's situation. In fact, I don't think it was at all. But I think there have been some other coaches in the league this year who have said, gosh, we're going to get smoked this weekend. Um, we could manage our rosters such that we won't qualify to have enough players at this specific position or in this certain uh, protocol. That, you know, we get out of playing the game. It's a very short sighted view. First of all, you know, Derek Mason and Vanderbilt have been hit hard first by opt-outs and then by coronavirus. And he's putting his team out there every weekend. And And most weekends, they're getting their heads kicked in. But he's doing it the right way, and he's taking the high road. Others probably bending it a little bit. So because of all that, because of Alabama's position in the SEC championship game, um, or so it seems,
0: I don't think there's room to get that game in. So he's talking about – the fact that it doesn't look like Alabama and LSU are going to make up the game, right? But he's he in the middle of that, guys. He talks about believing that some of the teams uh, might have used coronavirus as a reason not to play, and and that kind of feeds into what happened with uh, with Clemson and and Florida State. So I want to play this, or I want to I want to put the uh, quote up here from Davo. Uh, Dabo Sweeney, not Davo, but Dabo Sweeney, former Alabama receiver, by the way. uh, This game was not canceled because of COVID. COVID was just an excuse to cancel the game, to be honest with you. He says, uh, I don't think it has anything to do with their players. I I have no doubt that their players wanted to play and would have played. Same with the coaches. He says uh, to me. Florida State administration forfeited the game.
2: Uh, I mean, this is on brand. You know, this is, this is Dabo Sweeney. I agree with what he's saying, and I understand what he's saying, but there's just no reason to say it. You know, just look at this as a, if you really believe that that's the case, which it very well could be. Florida State is in a terrible position this year, covid You know, regardless of COVID, regardless of injuries, they're in a really bad spot. And, you know, all they need is one excuse to not have to play one of the best teams in college football right now. But there's just no reason to address that, in my opinion. I think it's, you know, you look at that as a sign of respect. Okay, we have a really good team here and they don't want to play us. There used to be a time in this country where Florida State would dominate Clemson year in and year out. And, you know, nowadays that's not the case. Okay, move on. Nick Saban never came out and and you know made anything official about what he thought LSU was doing. Maybe LSU ducked Bama. They could have, but there's no reason to address that. Just move on and play your next game. It's not like Florida State. You know, beating Florida State would have pushed the needle
1: on a playoff chance or anything. Double is like the the most tone deaf coach, right? And it, it, like it, like. For a coach that wins as much as as he does, he never knows like when they just shut up. You know, he always he's always doing something just stupid. Like you'd never see Nick Saban do this. You know, and to be honest with you, Davo, it's like what did this game even mean for Clemson? It didn't. This game's not going to define anything for Clemson. And and like it's just like you said, there's no need to do this. I think you said it right, Trey. I just like it just it it just shows that difference levels. And in, in me in like when you look back at these coaches careers I think you're gonna view Saban in a totally different light than Dabo, and I think part of that is just the way he holds himself and the class and the you know just the wherewithal that he holds himself at I think that that's one of the things for me when you're looking at coaches that that really sets Saban apart I just you could never catch Saban – you know dead you wouldn't catch Sabin dead uh, caught dead you know making this kind of claim it's just it's just corny and it's it's a lot it's like a lot of things that that devil swinney does it's just corny
0: give us a thumbs up guys we appreciate you being here subscribe to the channel this is monday night quarterback we do this every monday at six o'clock I'm not sure what to think, man. I mean, I don't want to disagree with you, Tony. I just don't know. I mean, if if he's sure, I mean, they flew there, right? They they hopped on a plane and flew there. They were they were in town. You know, I don't know all the medical deals, and and Dabo's kind of gotten to that point in coaching now where if he says something, I mean, it, it, it's significant, you know. So, Florida State's coaches might have been like, "Look, man, we we want to play this." But the administration doesn't want to. And I don't know why they wouldn't. But um, I, I thought of that when and then, you know, Tom Hart's comments. I mean, you know, he's he's dealing with with this every day. He's got insider information. He's not coming out and saying that unless he's pretty sure. You know, that's yeah. I don't think that's an off the cuff comment. I think that he, when he said that, he meant it, you know, and and part of the reason why. And what what his point was is that when these games are canceled, I mean, you're talking about millions of dollars in the coffers that they're not that the teams aren't getting, the schools aren't getting, you know. And if it's a matter of safety, then you know what? The money is insignificant. I mean, you 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 gotta be safe. But you know, to think that there are certain coaches or programs that are trying to avoid um, you know, losing. Uh, would not be surprising to me, no matter how much money's in there, because you're talking about their job and their livelihood, too. You know, I mean, you, you're at LSU, and and he said he wasn't talking about LSU, Tom, but if you're at LSU and and the Ed Orgeron act, you know, it, it's great. I mean, he won all those games last year. You know, the Tigers had the best season ever. Um, they, they came back and won against Arkansas this week. It was a good win for them, but, you know, they get hammered by 60, um, against Alabama and then they lose another one and they lose another one. And then next year they start out and they're not having a good year. Um, that, that whole act that 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 Ed Ordron has, it starts to get old, you know? So it probably I think it benefits him more than anything not to play Alabama, not to have him on the schedule. I'm not saying that that's, that that's why. I'm just saying that that it does benefit you sometimes in college not to play. And and I got an example too. When I worked at Alabama sports, there was a, a coach that came in and took over one of the programs that I worked with. And th- the minute she got there, she was making excuses up for why she wasn't going to win in three years. And I just remember thinking, like, okay, th- now the arena's not good enough. You took the job, you know. Now this isn't good enough, and now that's not good enough. You know, it's like, it's like some coaches are. Are the main thing they're worried about is just keeping their job for a long time you know, and, and not Nick Saban. I mean, the guy wants to win all the time, but this particular coach, it was from the very beginning. And then I talked to people that are around it and, and it's still the same way. There's always some reason why, um, that they're not getting the recruits they're supposed to get. They're not doing this. And instead of looking in the mirror, Hey, you're just not a good recruiter. You might be a good coach, but you're not a good recruiter. Um, and the, and the record reflects that, you know, I mean, they're just not successful. And I, and I see that. I see that in, in what Tom Hart said in his comments. Anyway, to me.
2: Yeah, I think Tom Hart's 100 percent accurate with what he said. And I think Dabo is, too. And, you know, if Coach Saban were to say it, I think all of it's accurate. These teams could easily be doing this. Um, we don't know for sure either way. But but there's there's uh, you know, nobody's out here, I, I think, saying that it's it's not happening because I think these teams are doing it. It's a great point. Um, and well said by Mr. Hart this past week, but I, I still, at the end of the day, there's just no reason. To break
0: up. <laughs> Mr. Hart, <laughs> Let's
2: talk about it. You you got to show some respect. You got the tenure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've known him a long time. I've never thought of him as a Mister before, but I I like where you're going. That that respect. All right, guys, we're gonna finish with. Uh, A a little Mm -hmm. Iron Bowl talk. And this is going to be more fun than anything. And for those of you that are sending comments, you guys can shoot some comments over, too. I want each of you guys to give an Iron Bowl memory. I'm going to give an Iron Bowl memory. Um, and I and I think it's the most significant game in college football. I, I really do. I think it's what rivalries are all about. Uh, I've been to a ton of them. You know, when I was a student, uh, I didn't miss them. I was at the first. I was at the last Iron Bowl at Legion Field. I was at the first Alabama win uh, down on the plains. I've been there through the six-game losing streak. And my first ever Alabama game was in '96. It was the Iron Bowl. So you wow. you talk about just. So much history going into a, a game. Um, I, I got to put my man up here, Gene Stallings, and and I'm going to tell you guys this, and then and then let you jump in. 1996, Gene Stallings is uh, I, I, it's my first game. I got a student ticket. I didn't have um, I didn't get it converted. And I had a friend with me, so I had to, we had to get into the Legion Field Stadium with no converted ticket, uh, but they let us in anyway, and we got in there, and the place was packed i mean jam packed and it's not a nice stadium i mean it's 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 a concrete gray lady and you know and that's what they call it. and you would be in there and it's crammed up and then when those teams came out half of the stadium right down the middle like there might be 15 alabama fans on the auburn side and i'm saying it was probably 10 of them on on the alabama side that down the middle though it, it was amazing to see uh, the 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 excitement that both sides have. The upper deck shook when Freddie Kitchens uh, threw a pass to Dennis Riddle to tie the game with 37 seconds left, and then kicked the extra one at it, 24 to 23. Gene Stallings went five and two as Alabama's head coach against the Tigers, and that's part of his legacy. And you talk about Mike Shula was 0 for three, excuse me, 0 for four against Auburn and Bill Curry was over three against Auburn. When you take that job as Alabama's head coach, you got to win that football game. And it, and there really isn't anything like it. I just don't think in college football. How about you, Trey?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I like I said, I haven't been a part of this rivalry for super long, but I think that's the beautiful thing about this rivalry. You know, every year it's exciting every year. It's super entertaining. Uh, my freshman year, uh, we had gone undefeated at that point in the season, go down to the Plains. That was back in 2017, and they, they lose that game. I think that's my most memorable Auburn experience just because that was the first time it really felt like, wow, I, I really hate this, this school over there. I, I get the rivalry. I understand why this is the way it is because it's, it's so personal, and it's you know, it's so much fun. It's been so back and forth, and you know some crazy things have happened in this rivalry game. Obviously, the kick six uh, is is you know a, a bad memory, but one that's that's going to. Nightmare. The books. It's a nightmare. Um, you know, <laughs> but just on the scale of college football, plays like that, just moments like that, have made this series and have made it what it is and made it so great. Um, and you know what? Maybe I'll, I'll say the, the the game after that, the twenty eighteen game when Auburn uh, came here to, to Bryant Denny Stadium and got hammered. That was my first Iron Bowl, and uh, quite the memory in that one.
0: What about you,
1: Tony? my my favorite iron bowl memory oh uh, gosh there's been a there's been a ton of great games um on both sides of the ball i, I don't know if i could give a, a favorite iron bowl memory uh i covered one as a student those the Trent richardson game and i think just being covering it as a student was kind of it's kind of fun it was kind of a surreal thing um you know the on the opposite end it was a it was a bad game for' an perspective but that cam newton game it was like oh my god it's oh, god. yeah that was a crazy that was a crazy one i um but look, this this rivalry is great because of the the quirks to this rivalry like like trace said the the crazy plays the fact that you have cam newton having a comeback or a kick six or alabama's uh, you know one of the you talk about iron bowl memories that are great from an alabama perspective that drive with um with uh greg mcelroy and the touchdown at the end that was a you know that was a great game as well, Roy um, Upchurch. Yeah, that was yeah, Roy great. Upchurch the touchdown and set up, you know, Alabama's first national championship under Nick Saban, and that was a great one from an Alabama perspective. It seems like lately the Alabama the, the games from an Alabama win uh, haven't been as good of games because they just smacked them, but I, I'm sure Alabama fans love those games too. Uh, but no, this game just for what it means to the to the fans, for what it means to the state. Um it's your classic college football rivalry. Like you said, Mick, I think it's it's the best rivalry in college football at the time and and look, Auburn's still winning some games. It's not like you, you can say oh Ohio State and Michigan's a great rivalry. No, it's not because Ohio State wins every game. And I know Alabama fans don't ever want to see Auburn win, but they do steal one. Every now and then, and it keeps this rivalry really exciting because you you don't know about this game. You know, it could like you said, uh, Alabama can be the number one team in the nation, and this is a this is a Super Bowl for Auburn, and, and, and they can really ruin a season, and, and they have ruined seasons for Alabama last season that they really played a part in ruining Alabama's season. So, um, it's it's the best rivalry in college football bar none, and, and I'm excited to see it every single year, and, and this year no different.
0: Got to add that guy to the stream. 19-5, and the Bear was against the uh, Auburn Tigers. You know, Nick Saban's like, I think it's like 8-4 and against Auburn. You know, you would think that it would be better than that, but he lost the first one. He's won some, but it's like you said, they always seem to find a way just to be a thorn in Nick Saban's side. I think Nick's going to be pretty juiced up about this one, and I I look for Alabama to just keep the – keep the Jets going for the entire game, especially the way that football's changed too. I mean, you saw it with Ohio State and Indiana. You know, I I don't I want Alabama to just keep their pedal to the metal in this game. Yeah. I mean, I,
2: you know, I think it this is not a big opportunity to, to just put it back on this team. Alabama is frustrated. We talked about it early in the show. This is a this is a revenge game for this team. Usually it's the last game of the season. This year you get them a week in advance. Still the same week, but uh you know you're playing them with the game left on the schedule. So it's different. This is going to be a much different Iron Bowl than we're used to. Not that many fans in the seats. It's going to be a little bit of a different atmosphere, but this is going to be a fun Iron Bowl any way you draw it, especially if you're an Alabama fan. I have a good feeling.
0: Well, guys, that does it for Monday Night Quarterback. We went a little bit longer than we normally do, but I got to tell you, this was a fun show. Love talking football. There's so many things that we got going on right now. There's just so much different stuff to talk about. Uh, Tomorrow on the channel... We're going to have at 6 o'clock uh, a show, Kyle and I, and and I'm sure some of you guys will be jumping on as well, to talk about the first college football playoff standings. And uh, and then after that, a rankings or whatever they call them. And then at 8 o'clock, Andrew Bone will be on the talk recruiting with Kyle. So those will be on tomorrow. we got all kind of content lined up, even through Thanksgiving, uh, the Bama Insider Tailgate Show will be on Friday night. We got the Iron Bowl Watch Party, and just just stick around on this channel. Subscribe, give us a thumbs up. We appreciate the super chats. Um, Tony and Trey, thanks for coming on. I had a lot of fun tonight. Yeah,
1: definitely. Same
0: here.
2: Lots. Thanks for having us.
0: And uh, all you guys that watched, we love you. Thanks for watching, and uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. That does it for us. Catch us again next Monday at six o'clock. Till then, roll tide.